Thanks for tuning in to today's Horsewoman podcast. Our show explores women in the horse industry as they share their dreams, challenges, successes. What drives these women? Well, let's find out. Good morning. I'm Rose Cushing, host of today's Horsewoman podcast. And with us today is Amelia Eflin Joyner of Joyner Up Horsemanship out of Rougemont. And I wanted to have Amelia on the show today because she was one of the competitors in, in the Everything Equine Expo recently. And she just recently finished competing in Tennessee at, at the Southern Equine uh, Festival. So I think you're going to enjoy hearing Amelia's story. She made quite a comeback at that event. So Amelia, tell us a little bit about who you are so the audience can get familiar with you because it's been a while since we did your original podcast. So, my name is Amelia Joyner. Um, my husband and I have a farm in Rougemont, North Carolina that we named Rock Hill Ranch. Um, and I operate my business, Joyner Up Horsemanship, here. Um, I specialize in starting colts, working with so called problem horses, trailer loading issues, um, desensitizing, you know, all the different foundation stuff and fixing behavioral issues that have been created over the years. That's awesome. And so you've been doing this a pretty good long time now. How many cult startings have you done altogether? I believe the Southern Equine Expo was number six for cult startings. I've also done an extreme retired racehorse makeover and a feral horse makeover as well. That's really cool. That's a lot of experience. So tell us a little bit about, you know, competing at the Everything Equine Expo and how that all worked out. Okay, so I've done two Everything Equine Expos. Uh, my first one was the all-women's one last April that I won, and then about three weeks ago or so, right? Yeah. Um, I, I did the second Everything Equine Expo. Really tough competitors, um, and I ended up coming in sixth out of six, so last. Um, I just want to touch on that for a second and say... No, I'm not upset about placing last, and um, I actually bought my filly from that competition. Since she's been home, she's been absolutely amazing. There were no holes in the foundation. I was very proud of how she did at the competition and super proud of how she's done since she's been home with me. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a win-win, I feel like. I do, too. And you did a great job at that colt starting. Um, you know, it's a funny thing that to win or lose the colt starting is not really a reflection necessarily on who's the best trainer because there's a lot of factors that go into who wins. And the, the object of the colt starting is who takes their horse the farthest, you know, in that amount of time. Not necessarily based on what was best for the horse or what the horse was ready to receive, just who gets from point A to point Z the closest, you know? So um, I'm glad that you didn't let that dishearten you because, you know, it certainly isn't a reflection of your training. And um, but, it, but it is a fun event for people to watch, to see those things in real life and to see the actions and, you know, how a good trainer knows when to push harder and when to back off a little bit. And I think that you're a prime example of that your horse at some points was ready to move forward and at some points she wasn't and, and you did a good judge of doing what was best for her. 
Well, thank you. Um, I think you just said it absolutely right when you're saying that a good trainer knows when to push more and when to quit. And I think it's more important to know when to stop doing something and give the horse a little break than it is to keep pushing through because that's how they learn. They learn from a release of pressure. And if you just give them a minute to soak something in, they're going to come back twice as good as they were when you first started asking for it. And I think that that is one of the top qualities in a trainer is knowing when to stop and wait a second. Knowing when to train and when not to train. That is one of the best qualities you can have as a trainer. Um, So absolutely. And like you were saying about, you know, it's not necessarily a reflection of how good of a trainer you are, whether you come in first, middle, or last, or whatever in the cold training competitions. I agree because I've seen them scored all kinds of different ways. I've been to six now. And um, just like I tell people that go in the show rings, you cannot please everybody. And when it comes down to an event that is judged, just because a judge's opinion or multiple judges have an opinion of you or what you've done in that arena, that does not mean it is a truth. Now, I know most of the judges are hand-selected and are certainly extremely qualified to be judging, but that's not, you know, an issue against any judges. It's just that you cannot please everybody, and everybody has their own style. And unless you're actually in that round pen or in that arena on that horse, you don't know 100% what that horse is ready for. So it's kind of like you have to look at that. You have to be the outside looking in. It's hard to to judge it that way um, unless you can actually put your hands on that horse and feel what that horse is ready for and see it up close and personal. So um, anybody that does full starting, if you come in dead last like I did a few weeks ago, don't let it slow you down. Don't let it, you know, discourage you or make you shake your confidence because it is not a true reflection of you. It might be how a couple of people viewed you in that moment in time, but that does not mean it is a truth about you. And the only difference between a loser and a winner is a winner never stops trying. So you just keep on pushing if this is what you want to do. It's like me, you know, I've done a bunch of them, and I came in last at that one, and a couple weeks later I came and, and won the Colt Sergeant at Southern Equine Expo. And that's just because I don't, I don't quit. This is what I love to do, and I'm dedicated to it. I agree with what you're saying 100%. And some of what the judges judge you on is what the promoter tells them, you know, that this is the goal of the Colt start, and this is how we're going to grade them. How well did they do in the finale? You know, and so, and they take into consideration what you've done, but at the end of the day, is how well the horse did in the finale, and how quickly, you know, how how many points that they were able to achieve. So those things come into play too, but you know, to take the negative experience from from not placing as well as you thought you had, and create it to generate more enthusiasm and more determination for you to go on to win the next one is is the way that you should process failures and losses. You know, I mean, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I learned that a long time ago, and I'm okay with that, you know. If if I'm not somebody that you want to follow or listen to, then don't. It's okay, because other people do like what I do. So, you know, we all have to kind of have that part of our 
our psyche under control because, you know, that's just life. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will say this, too. Don't change who you are to please somebody else because all you're going to do is shoot yourself in the foot in the end because you want to attract clients that relate to you and appreciate you for who you are. And no matter what kind of competition, whether it's a cult starting or a Mustang makeover or whatever it may be, if you're a trainer and you're going out here to compete, it, it should, the primary reason should be to exhibit who you are as a trainer so that you can, you know, attract clients that relate to you and appreciate you for who you are. So don't go out here and change who you are just to, for the sake of trying to win something. That's something you'll never see me do. I would not push a horse to do something they're not ready for or leave a hole in their training for the sake of winning a competition. I care about who that horse is the day after the competition, and I always will. And that's really important, too, and that says a lot about you as a, as a horse trainer overall. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so proud of the trainer that you have become. And one of the reasons, you know, that you really caught my eye is the very the, the cold start you did in Virginia because you had a rough set of circumstances. Not only did you have people that were well-known and, and, you know, had done a lot of cold startings that you were competing against, you didn't have the best horse either. So, you know, I, I, I really respected you for that, and that's why I asked you to do my cold startings when I've done them because, you know, I know who you are, and I, I'm here for the horse. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm here for the horse, and that's who I want to win. So, you know, you, you're top-notch in my book, if that means anything, and that, you know, that's important to me as I only ask people to compete that I respect. Well, it certainly means something to me, and I appreciate that. So tell us about going to Tennessee in that competition, because that was a whole different ball of wax. It was. It was one of uh, the most unique uh, setups, I guess, for cold starting that I've done. Um, their, their expo was run really well, but it was a, a lot of stuff going on, and it was, the rules were a little bit different for the gold starting. There were some curveballs they threw in there at us, like um, round four, um, which is the second round on the second day. Um, we did not have round pins, even if we needed or wanted them. We did not have round pins anymore at that point. And... Um, so we were in the open arena, but they also put a round pin in the middle that they had some cattle in. Um, and then the last 15 minutes of that round, they turned them loose with us. And it was all of the Colts' um, third ride at that point. So first ride in the open arena, third ride total. And the last 15 minutes, they released cattle with us. I was super nervous about that because... Obviously, I don't want to get bucked off in front of however many people are there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, gosh, you know, what if the horses are not okay with this and we have some runaways or some, some bucking horses to deal with? And actually, all three Phillies handled it absolutely phenomenal. They did a great job. Um, and you can tell it's just bred into these horses. Like, it was not even a thing to them. Um, and they actually just kind of fell right in, like, yeah, we're old season rated horses, so it was pretty cool. Um, and it was it was funny, too, because um, the judges, so I don't know if you knew who the judges were, but 
um, Josh Wynn was one of the judges, Sam Powell, and um, Ken McNabb. And so Ken told Patrick, the person that runs the Southern Clinic show, that um, we would all get extra points if we could get the cattle back into the round pen. So me and Kat and Tiffany, the competitors, we didn't even really say a word to each other. We just kind of fell in line like a silent team, and we got those cattle back in that pen and got the gate shut. And it was the most incredible thing ever. Like, just that silent teamwork on these silly third ride, and we literally drove these cattle back into the round pen from the whole arena and closed the gate. And it was like, okay, what, what else do you want to see? That's really cool. Now, had you had cattle working experience before yourself? I have worked with cattle, yes, but not on such a young green horse. So, yes, I've been the first one to introduce a horse to cattle and things like that, but I can honestly say I have never worked cattle on my third ride on anything. Yeah, <laughs> so that it was really cool. That sounds a little dangerous and crazy, but, you know, I'm glad it worked out good for everybody. Yeah, I, I was very nervous about it because I was like, I don't have any idea how this is going to go, but yeah, um, it worked out, and it ended up being really fun, and it kind of made me go, like, why was I so worried about that? <laughs> well, luckily, those horses are born and bred on a horse, on a ranch that has cows, so it, what, it probably wasn't the first time they'd ever seen them or smelled them, which was, you know, a, a blessing, but that, I'm glad that worked out really good. Absolutely. So what else um what else did you learn from that cult starting? Uh, I I learned so much from every event that I go to, but um, this was this was the first time that I had been, you know, around people like Ben McNabb and Sam Powell. Um, Guy McLean was there, and, and I got to speak to these people, and, you know, these people are people that I've looked up to for many, many years. Yeah. And I was tremendous respect for, and it was so funny because on Thursday when we arrived, we had to go to a cult starting meeting there, and I, on the way to the office where the cult starting meeting was going to be, I walked past Guy McLean and Kim McNabb talking to each other, and I just, like, I got so nervous, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I just walked past Kim McNabb and Guy McLean, like, holy cow. And I, I waited, I went and introduced myself, and, of course, I was, like, kind of word vomited and said, like, that I was a huge fan and that I have so much respect for him. I record all his shows and, like, went on and on. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I just never even thought that I would be in this situation. And I think it's amazing to just even be here around people like them. Yeah. And um, Let alone be judged by them. That's fabulous. Right. And so I figured, you know, this kind of made me nervous because I'm like, people like that are going to think I'm a complete moron or something. Like, I felt like such a little fish going out into the big ocean. And, um... It was, it was not that way, and I don't know why sometimes we self-talk to ourselves like that, because that is the biggest enemy that there is, is the way we talk to ourselves, and, sure. um, you know, I was feeling like that little fish, like I said, and like, almost, like, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing compared to the people that were judging it, 
and I just didn't want them to think that I was a moron. Like, that was my whole mindset going in there, and then meeting people at the expo that inspired me and stuff made me kind of just go, you know what, just enjoy where you are and have fun because and do your best. Like, that's all you can do. Yeah. And so, but by Sunday, Ken McNabb was telling me um, that my finale run was absolutely incredible, and he was so proud of me, and that I had done, like, a fantastic job. And it just seemed like the roles had reversed. Because by Sunday, I was totally okay just standing there talking to him like he was a normal person. And he was the one that was so excited to talk to me about how my finale went. And it was just so surreal to me that I went in there feeling like, gosh, what am I even doing here? And, you know, I just need to believe in myself is kind of what I got from it. And Right. I'm just super thankful that things went the way they did there. Um, I had a blast. And even if I hadn't won, even if I had came in last there again, it would have been worth it. <coughs> so I, I just think, um, you know, if you're going to go go for something, just go for it because life's too short. Absolutely. I've interviewed Ken McNabb before, and he is such a gracious, generous, kind person, and he's so easy to talk to. So I'm, I'm glad that you got a chance to meet him and chat with him, because he, he really is what you see on TV, and, you know, he is, he, he gives you faith in celebrities again, because he really is what he professes to be, and, and that comes through loud and clear. Absolutely, and I think it made me even look up to him more because it, he doesn't just put on that show on TV or in front of the crowd. Like, he's like that Yeah. when you're just standing talking to him as a person, as a regular person. He is very kind, respectful, just a stand-up human being, and it makes me proud that, like, I chose somebody to look up to like that that is that way because that's who I am and who I hope that I remain to be. And, you know, it's just, it was just so much fun. And I was so thankful to meet the people that I met while I was there. And it was just an incredible experience. That's really awesome. So now that you're big time champion in Tennessee, what's left on your bucket list to achieve? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> when we talked after, um, and I won last April at yours, um, you asked me the same thing, and I said, you know, bucket list, the only thing I can really think of course-related bucket list would be, you know, my whole pipe dream that seems almost impossible out of reach is the road to the horse. Um, and at this, it, it just is so crazy how fast certain things can come into play, but um, I was standing there talking to Kim McNabb on... Sunday morning, I think. Uh -huh. I was trying to eat my breakfast. And then I could not eat my breakfast after this conversation because my stomach was so knotted up afterwards. But um, he told me that the people with Road to the Horse had asked him for female recommendations for their wild card. And he only had, like, one name to give them, and now he says he has three more names to give them after this. And so... Maybe it's not as far out of reach as I've always thought it would be. Um, so, it you know, I might be able to go to the wild card event at some point and 
even just to go, even if I came in last there, it would be a huge honor to be able to go compete in the wild card for the, you know, the wild card event for the Road to the Horse. So that, that is my next bucket list item is to um, try and compete for the wild card spot at the Road to the Horse. You know, that's really awesome, Amelia. And even if you never actually get in the competition, you know, you'll always have the fact that you were in the wild card running. You know, I mean, that's a big achievement that most people never see. So that's really, really awesome. And I have no doubt that we will see you in that event in the near future. Well, thank you. I hope you're right. <laughs> well, you know, we got another, I hope we have another colt starting coming up in October. I got to make sure Charlie's got the horses available. But if, if we do, I hope that you'll come back and compete with us again. And uh, you know that up. <laughs> keep uh, keep showing everybody how fantastic you are, without a doubt. Oh, thank you. And for the folks that want to see Amelia in action, Carolina Hoofbeats TV will be broadcasting her finale cult starting round. It'll be on our YouTube channel in about two weeks, which is Carolina Hoofbeats TV. And if you want to tune in, you can get a chance to see Amelia compete in in action. You can also follow her on Facebook, and I think she has. Uh, videos of all the rounds at, at our competition and in the Tennessee competition. Is that right, Amelia? Yes, ma'am, I do. And we also have a website, which is www.joineruphorsemanship.com. And, of course, you can always reach me um, through Messenger or text, or you can give me a call. Um, all the information to get in touch with us, are, all that stuff is on the Facebook page and the website. Very good, and and people can contact you about you training their horses and starting their horses as well, true? Yes, ma'am. I do have a wait list, um, a pretty long wait list. So it is March right now. I don't have a spot open until October, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, so if, even if you're thinking, you know, hey, I've got a colt that I want to start next spring, go ahead and get on the list because it fills up really quickly. Absolutely, and I and you know you're worth the wait. So people, people, if you're looking to start your colt, or maybe if you're even looking to buy a colt, Amelia would be a great person to have to evaluate your prospects and let you you know give you an idea of what she thinks about them. So um, you know, get in touch with her, follow her, because I don't think you'll be sorry. She's certainly a horsewoman that you can look up to. Thank you for being Ladies. on the show. Thank you for having me again, and thank you guys for listening as always. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our souls wander in similar places. Even though we may not know each other, we touch the same wind, we walk under the same sky, and our hearts wander in the same dreams. We are one, women just like you and me. Thank you for listening. <music>